This is Jason Cast. This is Scott Nearman. We are MP Local, where we want you to know that you are not alone. I tell you what, Scott, this business is not easy. It has its own unique challenges. This is not about bottom line only. This is not about profit only. We're about mission and changing communities in the nonprofit world. And that is why we started this podcast called MP Local. Hey, 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 welcome to MP Local Podcast, where you are not alone. I'm Jason Cass. And I'm Scott Nierman. And we're just glad you're here because once again, we created this podcast for you. That's right. That's right. Um, Once again, this is part two of our last podcast we did where we're dealing with COVID and some concerns and, and helping keep the moment alive. And and sometimes you'll notice about these podcasts, Scott and I may come in with an agenda or here's what we think, but as it gets going, we want this to be real. We want to think and pull things out of our mind that say, wait a minute, I've heard some of my executive directors say that. Scott wants to stop and say, wait a minute, I've heard a lot of the people that I've counted, I've, I've done consulting for, and they thought that, and it didn't work. And sometimes it did. Let's talk about when it did and when it didn't. And last time, if you've missed it, please go back to our last podcast because Scott did a really, really good job of helping keeping your volunteers and understanding some of the things. He even talked a little bit about, you know, if you have to make some cuts, where you're going to make it, how you keep growing, how you have sustainable giving, um, people who are giving on a normal basis. And here was my main thing I took away from it, Scott. I loved how you said uh, there are people during this COVID who do have money and this is where they've always been a helper or a donor. Maybe they haven't. But now this is the point in time where it's almost insulting if you don't reach out to them. You know that I de- that I donate $10,000 a month to this foundation, Scott. You could have reached out to me and I could have given another thousand. I could have given another 15,000. Oh, yeah. When you when you turn that around, I really thought, I'm all, man, that is really, really good value. So let's today, Scott, let's kind of concentrate on some of this stuff over the next 10 to 15 minutes about the things that they could possibly cut. And I'm not talking about people. I'm talking about expenses, okay? We're talking about, once again, Scott, I'm going to be quiet. And I want you to tell me if I'm wrong here. The expenses that one charity or one foundation or one nonprofit service may cut could be completely different than the other. So don't, so don't sit here and you hear Scott say this and, well, I need to do that. No, you may want to reach out to Scott and make sure you tell him what kind of organization you are. And then maybe he can say, wait a minute. Or, yeah, that actually does work. That's what we're here for. Once again, we are here for you. you. Scott, what are some of your thoughts? Well, you know, there's a few areas, I think, that many organizations are cutting immediately and and areas that uh, may not be wise to cut immediately. Mm -hmm. Um, And I, you know, folks can see my last name. You know, I'm the frugal German anywhere I go. And so, you know, I'm 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 living, you know, I'm saving that paperclip for the next uh, for the next time I need it. And and I think there's important uh, conservative principles that can be used in any office, right, to not be wasteful. And those of us that care about the environment to at least where, where our waste is to minimize it. But um, I think those things really do save real dollars over mm-hmm. time. Uh, you do that 5, 10, 20 years in an office or everywhere you go, you've saved several thousand dollars just by not being wasteful. So that's my, my first recommendation is look for the waste. Uh, do you have to have the water cooler in the office that you rent every month? 
Um, do you have to uh, pay for uh, certain parking places uh, at your office? You know, is it necessary to have uh, of that? And I don't know if that's a reality for a small nonprofit, no. but the larger Somebody ones, is. you know, are you leasing space that you could renegotiate? Could you downsize the space that you do lease? Love that. Um, so there's some obvious areas there that I think that are helpful. Um, some boards are probably in the conversation on whether they should lease or own. And we know that that for different types of organizations, those are uh, different types of decisions. But uh, for most organizations, uh, the real small ones probably cannot afford to own. But when you scale up a little bit, it's probably in your best interest to have that asset. Um, that makes and- sense. Those are good things that a lot of them are thinking about. I can so tell that you do this. I mean, not trying to be goofy, but I, I don't necessarily always think about that relation to that nonprofit. One of the things that we do um, for all you local listeners, you really probably don't know, is that we do we specialize in nonprofits. That's the reason why I have the passion and excitement to do a nonprofit uh, podcast, because I got to tell you, I got a lot of friends that do a lot of podcasts. This to them seems like the most uninteresting, but to me, because it's what I, my agency survives, how my family and my staff feed their family and you as well. That's why this was interesting. And some of the things that I can say is, is that we get a call um, on people's insurance. And um, I think that it's something that can be looked at. First of all, Scott, most people, when they call a nonprofit, calls an insurance agent and says, hey, we need help with our insurance. And they say, what do you do? And they say, we're a social service or nonprofit. Usually the agent says, "Uh, sorry, can't help. I realized that at a young age, 18 years ago, that those are the people I need to help if they can't get any help. And so that's where we started with that. Now, one of the things that's important is that here's what I learned when I first got in. And this is something you can use today that will save you thousands of dollars. I noticed that when I go to these social services or these nonprofits, me specifically senior centers, we do a lot of senior centers. And you can only imagine in COVID, how that's affecting us and how we're having to work with nonprofits to finagle some things to make sure that they stay afloat with the expenses that they truly need. And what happens is, is usually in these nonprofits, there's a relationship with the agent. Now, I don't want to make this just fully insurance. Do you have relationships with other vendors that maybe need to be inspected? Now, what do I mean by that? A lot of times, and I'm speaking to you executive directors, you feel comfortable with the current agent you've been with. I mean, you've been with them for 25 years. They're a staple of the town. Why would you not? Until we come in and we start to look at certain things and realize that it's been neglected, there's a lot of things that aren't going there. Maybe you're following federal or state guidelines and you're putting it out for bid every three to five years and those spec sheets aren't being done correctly because you're creating them yourself rather than us doing it per state guidelines and law and you not having to worry about that. But we also realize that a lot of times the executive director feels so comfortable that they only get one quote, right? How many executive directors out there have went out to get quotes and you usually get one back, but you've dealt with three or four agents, right? How many of that that happens? The reason is there's not a lot of companies out there that do non-for-profits and nor do they do them very well, nor do they provide the DNO and all that. Where am I going with this? The best thing that you can do is when your insurance comes up is you need to call your incumbent. Your incumbent is going to give you the best prices. Now, here's what we do. And Scott, I'll stop here because I could go on and on. But this is very important because I'm going to tell you what 99.9% of executive directors do wrong. This is so important for you out there. What they do is the board says, go get me three or four quotes. They call up three or four agents. Those three or four agents usually are all going after the same two or three markets. But here's what happens to the other three agents besides your incumbent that you have. 
When the agent calls the insurance company, guess what the first question is they ask us? Are you the incumbent agent? In the insurance world, we keep 92% of our business. So that means on an agency that you drive by, 92% of the people stay there. What does that tell the insurance company? That if you're not the incumbent, you have less than an 8% chance of getting that business. But if you are the incumbent, you have a 92% chance they're going to give you better pricing. They're going to give you better coverages. They're going to give you more options on your markets. And so this allows you to drive down. the drive down. So you're sitting here saying, well, Jason, how do I get three or four quotes if I don't go to three or four agents? It's the, it's the biggest crime in the history of insurance. You're dealing with an independent insurance agent who offers multiple companies. And if they do non-for-profits, they're usually the ones that offer the three or four best. Go to your agent and demand that they give you three or four quotes. So when that incumbent is going to the insurance company, the incumbent is then saying, hey, I'm the best or I have this. Now, what you're going to find out is you need to make sure that this incumbent's able to deliver you two to three or four quotes. Because if they're delivering you one quote, then you're going against what the board has recommended you to do. So what I would say is I would look at other round at other agents and I would question how many markets they have and I would judge that versus my incumbent. Maybe you really do need to switch your incumbent, but I want to do the best for you. And keep in mind, this is from my heart because it doesn't do me any good as far as competitiveness and writing insurance for me to tell you to stay where you are. But right now I'm concerned about your expenses and making sure that you're looking at things. If you have been with the same incumbent for 10, 15, 20 years, I would strongly look at it. Scott, I'm so passionate about this that in 2011, I thought, thought to myself, I could save the state of Illinois probably 20 to 30% of the money that they spend on insurance if I could just get executive directors to do what I just said. Now, think how beneficial that is of the millions and millions of dollars that the state gives away, probably billions that they give away if we could save 20 or 30% of that and we could push that back to our people and that could be less, that could be other grants that we're getting otherwhere or more services that need to be fought. I know that's long-winded, but this is something that we deal with and this is a way that you can get better coverage, that DNO that you need that you can't afford, you'll be able to get it, that EPLI employment practices that you need that you can't get, you can get it, your professional liability you can't afford, you can get it, but what you've got to do is you got to realize, deal with your incumbent and get multiple quotes from that incumbent. So that's that's one of my things that I can do. I, I, most, most, mo, if you're a small agency out there, and when I say agency, non-for-profit agency, you're spending 10 grand in insurance minimum. So if I can save you 20, 30% and give you more coverage or the better coverage, that's two to three grand. That's a donor. So yeah, I, that's, I'm very passionate about that. Yeah. Yeah. Well, it's like we talked last episode about getting the right people on the bus, right? And that that's what mm -hmm. makes the team click in the first place. But it's also about getting the right partners in the community. So your, your right. insurance agent is one of those. And, and I would say, you know, insurance is not one of those areas to cut. It's about making sure you have the right coverages and the right policies. And I would say right now, you know, uh, more organizations should be looking at purchasing, for example, example cyber liability, uh, because that is a really big deal when you can call information. You know, we've cited in our last episode, a Blackboard Institute report, but the reality is Blackboard is a software company just got hacked this year. So in the middle of the pandemic, wow. um, you know, it's been really uh, challenging for some nonprofits uh, who use Blackboard. And so if they didn't have cyber liability, you know, this is something that they need to be thinking about right now. It's a huge, as you know, growing industry uh, very rapidly right now. Equipment breakdown. 
that's something that you can buy for any of your freezers or anything that's mechanical that would um, fill out. You, number one, we get number one, the freezers inside of our food pantries and stuff. The, the, the compressor goes out, boom, it's 10, 15, $20,000 freezer. And you're paying that with, you know, $100, $200 in coverage a year, you can actually get that covered. That's our number one thing we get. And then number two is spoilage because of the stuff that's inside of usually that freezer. And that's exactly why they need an expert in that area that understands nonprofits and finding those entities, that, whatever business, insurance is a great example, knowing your business who are willing to dive in and understand um, things like freezers and refrigerators are extremely important in a food pantry. You got to be sure the policies cover those things. And Scott, I don't know. I'm 42, so I still consider myself young. I don't hardly know any young cats in, that do this. Like they, they're all 60, 65, 70 plus. They usually started with you so with the with the um, the non for profit back in the 70s and 80s and 90s. So we're not here to down any. Then I just what I'm trying to do is you get stuck inside that non for profit because you're working hard for the people and you've got that passion. Sometimes it's hard to see outside there, and that's what I'm doing at this segment is just to make you realize there's a better way. Matter of fact, 99% of businesses get their insurance the same way I told you not to. And what we're doing is, is we're showing them other ways of doing it. And they're looking at this going, holy cow, this is working a lot better. So I don't know where they came up with this crazy thing five, 15, 30, 50 years ago about, hey, go get multiple quotes from multiple people. But that's not how you get the insurance companies to understand who you are. So we'll get back onto some more stuff. We're just trying to cut costs. But I want to go back to what you said. It's the partnerships. You know, who are you getting your paper from? Who are you getting your copy machine from? You know, right. those people are expecting these calls. They know that you're hurting and they probably want to give you 5% off or 10% or, hey, for the next two months, you're free. I don't know what the hell this can be. You know, your food costs, if you've got food coming in there, you know, these different types of things, are you reevaluating those partner relationships that you have, you know? Yeah, I have a feeling that any director listening to this right now can think of one or two things in their shop that they've had in the back of their mind and they sort of know that this isn't the best partnership and that this isn't the best way to spend money. Uh, so first of all, you know, I talk about being frugal and I talk about savings on the front end as a preemptive. Um, now's the time to pull the trigger on some of those things, right? That's right. That's uh, exactly so, right. So, so definitely I want to encourage our listeners that, um, yes, you know, you got to make hard decisions sometimes. And this is, this is one of them. And, and they know this, I mean, this nonprofit world, smaller the organization, it's about survival. So it it's important then also to nurture those partnerships, your, your board members and your volunteers. Um, we talked about the donor that can afford to give. It reminds me, we talked in an earlier episode about Hank Rosso, the founder of the fundraising school. I remember and that. He, he said fundraising is teaching people, um, it's the art of teaching people the joy of giving. And so again, oh. giving the opportunity, for example, the copy machine that you're leasing, uh, do you wanna own one rather than lease it? Or do you not want to afford the maintenance fees? It's a worthy conversation to be having. Maybe a donor will make a one-time special gift. Maybe they'll do it this year before the end of 2020 mm, mm. Um, and, and buy that for you. And then you're set for a handful of years. And that's that's yep. fine. Maybe you need other tech along that way, but you're giving the donor that that does care about you the most or that may be willing to step up or maybe even a business. Maybe it is that copy business that you've been leasing it from is going to give you a deal. You know, they'll, they'll yep. do those lease to own deals. So there's there's things like that that can be done. And even in the short term, you know, 
that's where I want to I want to leave our listeners too with some hope, okay. Jason. Mm-hmm, totally. So so the other thing our Blackboard Institute report indicated was that uh, if you look at charitable giving in the United States, and I think I said in the last episode, it's been about two percent of GDP in this country for more than forty years. Okay, and so in really great uh, markets and economies, it's become something like two point three percent. Of GDP, and in recessions, it's dipped down to 1.7 percent. Now, to me, wow. on the surface, that's not a huge shift. Mm-hmm. On the ground, the sheer number of organizations, the amount of money we're talking about, it is significant. But I think the the lesson is in part that um, in a slow economy, you know, giving slows down, um, but it slows down in proportion to the rest of the economy. Okay, this is not unlike the rest of the broader economy, and so. When you look at 2008 and the recession we went through, giving more than recovered in a short time thereafter. And we know that coming into this pandemic, that our economy was very strong. Banks are in a very good position still today. Mm-hmm. And so, by the way, don't forget to go talk to your, your local banks for some support. Um, many foundations are having uh, having special grant programs right now. Your community foundation, for example. Good call. Um, but we're going to we're going to bounce back. And so really, we're talking about getting through a short period of time, which we know in all reality, if we're paying attention to the news and we're not politicizing the pandemic, we realize it could be another year before things are, quote unquote, normal again. Right. We know there's a vaccine that helps the economy, that gives us all a little glimmer of hope here at the end, that light at the end of the tunnel, uh, not being death, but but hope here. Uh, But in reality, um, this is a short time. So if you can get by the next handful of years, that's critical. That's mm-hmm. critical. And that's where these cuts come in. Now, I want to say a couple of things I don't think we should cut, Jason, before we wrap okay. this up. Yep. I want to know it. You you may need to to, to pick and choose the spending and, and spread it out over a longer period of time. Uh, I know for me that this has slowed down some initiatives, um, but uh, we're still planning to do those initiatives. We're not cutting them and putting them on the back burner completely. They're just delayed six months or a year. Mm-hmm. And one of those is training. So because you probably don't want to travel too far right now, look for those lower cost trainings. Don't stop training. Don't zero out the training budget. Many large organizations actually do this quite a lot, Jason. It's very discouraging if you're a person that believes in professional development and, and wants to improve your, your skill set. Um, so look for those virtual and, and webinar and canned presentations that you can you can do anytime. Uh, you've got we've all got kind of strange schedules right now in, in many cases, uh, but keep that alive. Don't don't kill that training budget because this is a time for sharpening the saw. That's right. It really truly is. It truly is. When when the uh, when the warehouse is full of wood, we ain't got time for that. But when the wood's short, we got a couple hours. Let's let's grind those teeth, baby. Let's get ready. Hey, Scott, I really appreciate this. Yeah, I, I know you appreciate me because a lot of people do. Um, and so I'm joking. But anyways, we appreciate you, local listeners. We hope that you are getting something out of this. And if you are, you know the best thing that you can do for us? The best thing that you can possibly do is you could forward this link to any and all executive directors or any kind of professional, because why do we do this? We realize there's a huge turnover in a lot of industries. 
Tra- or, me and Travis, which is my business partner, Scott, who works for one, we're talking to these non-for-profits and we're realizing that there's a lack of information that's been passed down or the new world we're living in doesn't relate to the old information that we've been told. And that's why we put together this podcast. And the greatest thing that you can do is believe not only in your nonprofit, but believe in the nonprofit industry. And the only way that's going to get better is for us to share information like this. And last but not least, if there's another podcast out there that we need to know about, please let us know. And if there's anybody that you want us to bring on and do a little short 10, 15 minute interview because you found them to be beneficial, and you think that'd be beneficial to somebody else, please let us know. Scott, anything last minute to say? I just want to encourage the leaders out there and, and remember uh, basic principles to focus on your people. Take care of your people. That includes your clients. That includes your staff. That includes your board and volunteers. And, and, and have a people first mentality. And that's you know something that we've, we've all learned from John Maxwell at some point, I hope. Um, keep, keep a focus on the people and the, the people take care of you. Always the way it is. Always the way it is. This has been Jason Cass. This is Scott Nierman with MP Local, where we want you to know you are not alone. We're out.